And welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I want to thank you for listening. And if this is your first time joining me, welcome. I am so glad you could be here today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you have an extra moment, would you consider leaving a review? It only takes a few moments. Or you can also share this episode on your social media platform. Both are great ways to help others find this podcast. If you are looking for some good resources for deepening your faith, just visit sitstillmydaughter.com to see what is available for you, including Bible reading plans, journals, edifying magazines, and blog posts. I also have a link in the show notes that allows you to donate to this ministry. Your support helps us in continuing to encourage the hearts of women with the truth of God's word. And if you have not signed up yet to receive our monthly quiet time newsletter, be sure to do that on the blog page. Fill out the form so that you can get this delivered right to your inbox the first Monday of every month. Now, are you ready for the answer to the Bible trivia question I asked you last week, which was, which king had 15 years added to his life? The answer is King Hezekiah, and you can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 5 and 6. Now, are you ready for your new question? Who taught Apollos the things of Christ? I'll read it one more time. Who taught Apollos the things of Christ. And remember, I will have the answer for you on the next episode. Now for today's episode, being in the ministry is not an easy thing as any pastor or missionary's wife will tell you. In fact, it can be overwhelming, discouraging, and draining as you listen to the heartaches of those under your care and watch as many make choices that you know will have severe consequences later. Of course, there are many blessings that come from serving in ministry as well, such as the blessing of seeing someone get saved or watching them soak in the word of God and seeing the evidence of growth in their lives. Through all of the ups and downs, each one would say that it is worth it all, yet the struggle is real. Those in ministry are not superhuman. They get tired and drained just like the rest of us, which is why they need our support and our encouragement. For many of the husbands, they would immediately say, that their wife was their best support and their greatest cheerleader. And today I want to talk about two wives. Each was married to a prophet, though their circumstances in their lives were very different. I want to start with Isaiah's wife, whose name we are not given, but she is called the prophetess. This does not necessarily mean that she was a prophet as well, but more like being called the wife of a prophet, like we would refer to a pastor's wife or a deacon's wife. Isaiah was told that he would have a son and was also told what name to give the child, the longest personal name in the Bible. There's a fun fact for you. We will read it in Isaiah 8, verse 3. And I went unto the prophetess, and she conceived and bare a son. Then said the Lord to me, Call his name Meher Shahal Hashbaz. Now I did my best to pronounce that name but it has quite a few syllables in it. And I have a feeling he may have gotten a nickname growing up, but the word itself means hasten to seize the prey and to take away the spoil. It was a name with intention and signified the coming over ruling of Damascus and Samaria by Assyria. It was a sign that what God says will take place. While it is not a pleasant thing that has been foretold, this is a reminder for us today that what God has said will happen. Sometimes 
it's easy to get wrapped up in the moment of everyday leaving. We are busy running errands, taking care of our home and our families, going to work and planning for tomorrow, but this can quickly consume our thoughts and hinder us from remembering what is to come. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do any of those things, but I think it would do us some good if we stopped and remembered that we are not permanent residents of Earth. Our home is beyond this world's atmosphere. I have a lovely prayer journal with several helpful prompts for each day, and one includes a reminder to live with your life in light of the final judgment and as one who will give an account to God. That's a sobering thought. There is only one thing that is certain in life, and that is death. Death comes to everyone, and our opportunity to live for Christ and fulfill his purpose is done. We only have now to prepare for eternity. Remember that we are not promised a tomorrow, which is why, as someone said, today matters for eternity. Oh, my friends, let's be women who are living in the light of eternity, remembering that all of God's words will come to pass. None of them ever fall to the ground. When he says we will give an account for every idle word or every deed and word, we can bank on that. This knowledge should make us sit up and take notice or perhaps take inventory of ourselves too many times. We treat sin so casually and live as if we have time to do better later, but we don't know that. We must lay aside each weight that hinders us today. We must ask his forgiveness today and repent of our sin. Remember what the psalmist said about search me, O God? He asked that the Lord would see if there be any wicked way in him, and that phrase means harmful habits. We must be women who ask the Lord to point out our harmful habits so that we can deal with them. It does no good to point out something that needs to be fixed if we have no intention of fixing it. Are we willing to be made into the likeness of Christ and pursue his ways? I pray we are and the more time we spend digging into the word of God, the more we will understand what pleases him, what needs to go in our life and how we can live in the light of his word. Isaiah and his wife had a hard ministry. They ministered to a stiff-necked people who tended to be unrepentant and even against the very words of God that he had spoken to them. But even though he was not popular, he knew that God's word was true, and so can we. Now, the next prophet's wife I want to discuss is Gomer, whose story is much more familiar to us as it has been the subject of many messages, books, and probably even a film or two. While the message is one of beauty and redemption, it was not an easy one to live out for these two characters. God told Hosea to take a wife in chapter 1, verse 2. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. This does not sound like the start of a lovely once upon a time story. It makes you wonder if Hosea asked God to tell him again, just in case he had misheard it, but there was no mistake. It is hard to even comprehend what must have been going through this prophet's mind, but his obedience speaks volumes about his character. And I want to pause for just a moment and consider what we would have done in this moment. Would we have wanted to push back and question God? To know why it has to be this way instead of God choosing to illustrate his point another way? I think many of us would have, or at least would have obeyed with dragging feet. But not Hosea. He humbly walked the path God had called him to. 
there is a good chance that he understood at least in part what would take place. He has a wife that is not rich in character, more like rich in carousing. She was not loyal, faithful, or trustworthy. There would be shame and humiliation waiting for him on this path, yet he chose to move forward. Why? Because he trusted God. In some ways, that is part of obedience to God. We obey because it is the right thing to do, but we can do it with confidence because we trust in God. We know that he will never ask us to do anything wrong or that would harm us in any way. His will and purpose for our lives is only for our good. It may take us through some difficult seasons and low valleys, but he promises to be with us each step of the way. And that when we get to heaven, we will see how it all worked together for our good. I pray that each of us become women of obedience to the things of Christ and trust in him with each step we take. Hosea took a wife whose name was Gomer. And if you're like me, it can sometimes be difficult not to smile as you think about a television character of the same name, though they are as different as can be. Unlike the happy and honest Gomer Pyle of the Andy Griffith Show, this Gomer was unfaithful to her husband, which is the main thread and thrust of their story. She gives him a child, runs off to someone else, then comes back or is bought back by Hosea. Can you imagine the strain this must have been on their marriage? Yet Hosea continually loves her and accepts her into his home. God wanted Israel to see a physical representation of his love. Perhaps Hosea never would fully grasp how impactful his steps of obedience would have on the world, but for thousands of years, this book has illustrated the never-ending love of God. This is another emphasis on why we must be obedient to what God calls us to do. We may never know the impact it will have on the next generation. When someone has wondered if they're too far gone for God to love, they can read the book of Hosea and know that God's love reaches them wherever they are. His love is more powerful than any sin we have committed and can restore us. Just like the prodigal son whose father eagerly awaited his return, our heavenly father waits for us to come to him so that he can restore us. This is the great love of God. And Hosea's marriage was a symbol of that to Israel then and to everyone who reads it today. Now, if you're familiar with the story, you know that there is one other scene that takes place in chapter three of Hosea. Let's read verses one through three. Then said the Lord unto me, go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an homer of barley and an half homer of barley. And I said unto her, thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. This was not an easy thing for Hosea to do. He had to go to the market and buy back his own wife. The entire village knew what kind of woman she was, and they might have been amazed that he even wanted her back, let alone willing to pay money. It also shows just how far she had fallen. Sin can surprise us like that. We think when we sin, we're in control, but that's really not the case. Sin can never be managed by us. It manages us, whether we like to admit it or not. The only way to beat it is to do it in the full 
armor of God. Only in his strength and equipped with his weapons can we defeat Satan, temptation, and our flesh. But that is another beautiful thing about this story. God is always willing. No matter how far our sin has taken us, he is always ready to help us conquer it and restore us into full fellowship with him. This thought alone should stir our hearts to love him more and to forsake whatever sin is holding us back. Sin is not our friend. Just like the prodigal son's friends abandoned him when he was poor, so sin, when it is finished with us, will leave us on the side of the road like trash. But not our God. He loves us too much to abandon us or forsake us. His love is constant, unlike our fickle nature, but that does not mean we can't learn just like Hosea did. God loves us not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. We are made in his image and he desires to redeem each of us and give us a home in heaven. All we have to do is accept his free gift of salvation, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, who freely gave himself for us. And I hope that you've done that, my friend. If not, there is a special page on my website just for you. And the link will be in the show notes. I was looking back at my old journal from almost five years ago now where I wrote about this passage in Hosea and this is what I said. I am loved. I am wanted. I am valued. I am needed. Those words are still true today. I am loved with an everlasting love. I am wanted by the God of the universe who desires to have a relationship with me. I am valued by the one who formed me with his hand. I am needed. He has a purpose for my life. And each of these statements are true about you too, my friend. You are loved, wanted, valued, and needed. Never let anyone tell you otherwise, and I pray that you will never forget it. And that is where we will end today's episode. I do want to say that if you have a moment, would you drop a note of encouragement to someone in ministry? I promise it would mean so much to them just to know that you are thinking of them and praying for them. You can even send them a card or give them a call. I am very appreciative of those who have been obedient to the calling God gave them and want them to know that. I pray you have a wonderful day, my friend. And don't forget to carve out that daily time to be in the quiet place learning more about our amazing loving father.